Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to another blasphemer crushing episode of the Kaiju Cast. This is episode 36 and the Daikaiju discussion episode for June 2011. And with me here, just to, you know, help me out and, uh, you know, be generally awesome is Heather Brask. Hello again. Uh, we got several news stories to share. And um, we, of course, have our Daikaiju discussion and some local events that we're going to talk about. And as usual, we're going to start the podcast off with some very cool music.
the screen has ever shown before can surpass the thrills of Ghidra, the three-headed monster. from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space. Ghidra, the three-headed monster, threatens man's very existence on Earth. Three-headed monster battles Godzilla, Mothra, and Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten, a new high in screen terror.
So I hope everybody had their dancing shoes on for that because that was a pretty spectacular request. Uh, that was Jimmy, the Jimmy Caster Bunch, a 1976 classic for uh, obviously called King Kong. That was a request from Scott from Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, I think it needed more cowbell. More cowbell. I got a fever. Uh, before that, I actually played the audio from the uh, U.S. Ghidra, the three-headed monster trailer for Nick, who specifically asked for more of that cool stuff, which I actually have been not playing as much for, for the just the reason that I don't have as much time for music these days. Uh, but the first track we played was not a request at all. It was actually uh, called Battle on Mount Fuji, and it's from an album called The Monster Project. I met this guy named... Adam Alexander at Wonder Northwest, and that was part of his CD. It's like almost an entire CD of Godzilla music that uh, he arranged and and performed, I guess. And I think I'm going to have him on this show sometime. It was pretty cool. And while all that is great, we are moving on to our next segment, which is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episode. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, guaranteeing that the podcast is going to continue for a long, long time. This month's assignment was to watch the 1966 Dae film, Return of Daimajin, released on VHS and DVD by ADB Films. Uh, and later this year, Heather, Mill Creek Entertainment is going to be putting those out on Blu-ray. You don't say. Yeah. Again, you know, I just recently, I guess last year or the year before, maybe, got them again on DVD. This, so this will be my third, no, excuse me, this will be my fourth time purchasing the, DV, the you know, the movies on some sort of U.S. home market. Some sort of medium for yeah. home enjoyment. Because ADV put them out in... Uh, when I started working for this one movie company, they put them out um, on VHS. And I was like, yes, please, VHS. I didn't have DVD at the time. And then they put them out on DVD. No beta? No, unfortunately. I, or Laserdisc. I or don't have Laserdisc either. Um, and Laserdisc? <laughs> <laughs> That's not me. No. Not not anymore. Um, no. And then uh, they came out later with updated versions where they were anamorphic and looked better. And so, of course, I bought those. And Naturally. then I think in October, I, I talked about it a couple of months ago in the Kaiju cast, they're releasing them on Blu-ray. Fancy. And while that's awesome that they did that, they um, hopefully Mill Creek Entertainment is going to correct the problem that ADV Films had where they mislabeled the films. They also put them in the wrong order when they did the trilogy. And so... It's a pretty big mistake. It is. And it you know what? It makes it kind of difficult to nail down exactly which films were made by who and exactly which ones came out at the same, you know, the right time. So, uh, you know, I hope that I don't have any incorrect information. But I, I really do feel that this trilogy is a must-see for any kaiju fan out there. It's a great... Any monster fan, really, because it's a great trilogy. All the, all the movies are really well done. They're very very serious not a lot of comedy in them and um i I've, mean we had a good time right i've i've only seen the one that we watched for the daikaiju discussion and i really enjoyed it and i would absolutely like to watch the other two absolutely will as well absolutely will yeah um i don't it, think he's gonna let me go until no, i watch no. them in fact as soon as we stop recording i'm thinking i'm gonna hit hit play on the dvd player and uh we'll watch them in order all three of them even though you've already seen the second one 
I'm just kidding. Uh, these films <laughs> are like samurai films with a giant monster added to them, which is one of the reasons I like them. Uh, this one was directed by Kinji Misumi, and it was written by Tetsuro Yoshida, who apparently wrote all three films. Heather, along with Cindy and uh, Dave Helfrey and Sane Donahue, who hasn't been on the show in ages, came over and we watched the film and then we talked about it and this is how that went joining us in the kaiju cast headquarters tonight for the De kaiju discussion of return of daimajin we have heather and dave who also known as baron von gulu and sane is back with us for uh the first time in like a million years and cindy is is back as well we just finished watching the film and we're just gonna sit around and talk about it for a little while um I personally really love the Maijin films and I can pretty much never get enough of them. I really like uh, how they were all shot sort of in a row and all shown in 1966. Like they're just not the perfect trilogy, but they're kind of uh, maybe one of the most perfect monster trilogies I've ever seen. Uh, Heather, since you have the microphone, what were your thoughts on the film? Well, I I really enjoyed it. I think I'm the only person in the room who has not seen any of these before, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't sure, you know, going into that how that was going to be. But uh, but no, it was it was I thought it was really well made. I really enjoyed the uh, I really enjoyed the the monster. It was great. Dave, hey, you you said you saw this film when you were like six or something, like right? Little, yeah. Like I remember the f- I've seen the first two. I don't believe that I've actually seen the third one. But I've seen, uh, I remember seeing the first two, it was like, you know, uh, back uh, when I was growing up in Los Angeles, like KTLA would have their little like Saturday monster feature and everything. It was like, and nine times out of 10, it would be like Gamma or Godzilla. And every once in a while, they would throw in one of the Magine films. It was like, oh, wow, I got to check this out. And I remember like even, even as a kid with, you know, like a little kid ADD and everything, just kind of like sitting there and waiting through all the talking and all of the open quote plot development, close quote, going up until you're just waiting for that moment where, you know, the hands go up and, you know, and Magine turns face, into yeah. into evil green B. Arthur, which <laughs> is, you know, and then you knew there was going to be some, some uh, godly vengeance. Somebody's going to get smoked. There was, there was smiting going on and those guys were smoting. And, um, but you know, and, and I, it's been a while since I've seen the first one. Um, I don't remember a lot of difference between sort of the conflict and you, so correct, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I was just kind of like, no, there's always like a base. So, yeah. Sort some, of some bad guy defiles the God and, and is mean to his people. And then he comes to life and he smotes and, uh, that's pretty much, yeah, yeah, and smokes, and yeah, and smokes definitively. And I mean, I, so I imagine the third movie, more smiting. Uh, it, yeah, it's a little bit different. They, they don't actually go and try to destroy the statue. Um, it's basically like just graffiti at this time. Like, yeah, tag it. No, they don't even they don't even interact with it. Oh. Um, From a distance. Yeah, these, well, these, <laughs> it's like on one side of the mountain, there uh, there are villagers that get stolen, like kidnapped for like sort of slave labor camps on the other side of the mountain. And, mm-hmm. uh, the bad guys are of course on the other side of the mountain. Right. Uh, and 
and then the smiting commences. The smiting commences because some some children go and appease, uh, you know, they appeal to the god. Oh, okay. And, uh, and he he takes care of it. Oh, that's awesome. But yeah. there's no actual bad guy interaction with the statue, like there is. Like there was in like this so. This time he's just going, he just he's just there for his people. Right in the right. third one. Okay, well, that, that, you know, that's, yeah, there's that's some sacrificing thing. going on, but oh. yeah, it's, it's a great film. We watched Cindy and I watched it uh, last oh, year, well. actually. Yeah, Same. she's special. Oh, okay. Uh, but uh, Sane is here for. I don't even remember the last time you came to one of these. Uh, it was really about a year ago. Back. Really yeah, glad was, you're back. It was a while ago. Um, yeah, those uh, these films, same thing. Saw them as a as a kid, and um, exact same remembrances Dave had as waiting for that machine to show up. Like, come on, monster. yeah, they do take a while to get to get into <laughs> it. Uh, hurry up, get a piece. You know, come to life. Uh, one thing I I've always struck me about these movies, and I want I want to say it's also the third because isn't the uh, third take place in kind of a snowy landscape? Yes, it, yes. yeah. Which I always, even as a child, I remember being like struck with like, wow, this is beautiful. I mean, for a monster movie um, and not appreciating things like cinematography or things like that. But right, it's like, wow, right. neat. I've never seen a monster movie that takes place in the snow, except for maybe that two seconds in Gamera versus Baragon and Son of Godzilla. Yeah. But uh, the other thing I, I've always appreciated of these movies is Demogene for being a big, you know, kaiju no roar, just the footsteps. I thought there was always like fantastic, virtually no facial expressions except for the eyes, which read so much. It's kind of like uh, Sandy and Gila from uh, Where the Gargantuas. It's like having oh, real yeah, human yeah. eyeballs in there. It's like really lends itself enormous amount of credibility in this monster for some reason. Um, for barely doing anything, pushing buildings down, like, you know, occasionally javeling a grappling hook at yeah. a building for some, but I mean he he doesn't do much his presence is more the the kind of the thrust of the movie so yeah, but yeah I know I, I've always appreciated the movies and we were just uh, saying a, a moment ago how it's like I think there's really some room there to laser eyes. yes laser eyes definitely <laughs> yep and like see, the Hanna-Barbera cartoon and ce- ceiling cats and laser eyes yep <laughs> but um, the uh remake this movie you make a period you know feudal japan like you know redesign meijin but just modern technology keep them looking the same i'd love to see them somebody do that yeah i know it will never happen but i would love it it's interesting that this is the only series of like as far as like daikaiju films go this is the only series of uh nobody wants to touch of, of <laughs> but a feud, feudal japan stuff i mean yeah. nobody's done the only other film i think is and i'm not positive because i haven't seen it as i think it's pulse Pul- yeah, yeah from korea which uh, is in uh, insanity that movie's bizarre King you have John, loves his giant monsters orochi. uh yeah orochi the eight-headed dragon otherwise known as yamato takeru that oh, is yeah. That is also a feudal Japanese monster movie, I suppose. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. As silly as that one is and really weird. Uh, Cindy, how how long has it been since you've seen this one? This one? Yeah. Probably since, not since I was a teenager. Did you, is this one of those ones that you got to see in the theater? Yes. <sighs> in theater in Hawaii, subtitled, big screen. Well. Because I actually went to a here lot. Here in Portland, yeah. Big screen subtitles is all yes, good. Yes, yes. In good. the di- in the Kaiju Cast Theater. 
<laughs> um, and so what are your initial thoughts on, on seeing this again since, you know, your teen years? I liked it. I, I actually really liked these films because I went to see a lot of samurai historical drama films. And that's kind of the way this one starts out. Mm-hmm. And okay, if you, I can see if you watched it when you were six, you were like, okay, on the edge of your seat, where's the monster? I know he's going to show up. Get to it already. Um, I was a little older when I saw it, so I could appreciate the drama that leads up to the monster. And then, of course, when the god finally makes his appearance and just basically steamrolls everybody. You know, that's what you're waiting for. Yeah, I did find it odd that, that the god takes care of those bad guys at the at the island in the water. And then he goes silent for quite some time. Like, just sort of, like it was immediate rep- retribution. Right. Maybe that was kind of like a warning shot. And it's like, okay, here's here's your one chance to leave peacefully leave these people be doesn't happen okay <laughs> round two so uh let's talk a little bit about Maijin himself i mean sane mentioned it a little bit you know and uh i think we all like the design as i mentioned during the the movie the original sketches and uh sculpts of the Maijin uh had the giant oni teeth coming out from the lower jaw and i, I do wish that it had that but i think that uh like sane said the eyes are where it's at. I mean, those eyes really do lend an air of menace to to any time he looks at at the villains, especially when when that one villain is like the head bad guy's got the sword to Juro's throat, and he's like, "I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna do it." And all Majin does is just like look at him, and then something magical happens that we don't know. Just kind of he the bad guy screams. Yeah, that's where we were waiting for the laser beam eyes that didn't materialize. <laughs> pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm glad he doesn't have, you know, atomic breath. I'm glad he doesn't have, uh, you know, a mystical sword of fire. I just, you know, he's kind of got godlike powers and, you know, he can rain down lightning as he needs to and yeah. obviously part the waves of the Red Sea or whatever sea that was, whatever lake that was. Like. Lake. Really, really big lake. Super lake. Yeah. Super lake. Separates Japan and China. I, I was, I was going to comment on the fact that you know, like we're saying with the, you know, with the, with the early warning, as Cindy put it, that he, that he gives at the, at the lake. Um, it's, uh, I, I, I kind of like, I kind of actually like how little he's in the movie. I mean, it's almost as if his absence is just as threatening. It's uh, it's this you know foreboding that you have of you know if you if you keep if you keep screwing up if you keep you know if you keep doing the bad things you're gonna do it's it's gonna happen it's, it's you know there's you. yeah it's uh it's you know it's just this you know this looming presence that you that you feel with you know the water rumblings and the lightning and and all this without actually having the monster there and then you know it's to to actually you know then to actually see him is just. You know, I, I'm I'm glad that he that he wasn't in it earlier because I feel like some of that presence may have worn thin in in a way. It's uh, but but no, so, definitely. So maybe if like he showed up earlier, he would have had less to do as you know, well, if he would have been shorter. Wouldn't take long for him to kill off the twenty evil shogun like <laughs> assassins that are in it. So so it's necessary to the. Further of the further minute of the plot to actually not have him show up too too soon. Exactly. Agreed. I think there I think there might actually be 
something uh, kind of dividing the movie here along gender lines because I know that like Heather and Cindy are liking the you know the drama and the story and the build up and everything and I'm like no damn it I want those laser eyes and I want that mystical flaming sword and then I want the evil god from the bad guys to show up and battle him and then it's going to be awesome you know it's like that that's kind of where that's where you, you, you did you ever see uh, what was it called wasn't it called the magic serpent I've Not never seen that no oh. I've never seen it it's oh, okay. just one of those see, films that's a magic that's serpent me. is like uh, again kind of a feudal japan kind of uh uh scenario and it's it's like it's it's but it's a uh it's more of a sword and sorcery kind of thing but at the end you've got like the fire breathing chicken toad and he's like battling the chinese style dragon and then like things are going bad for the chicken toad so like the girl throws her hairpin in the air and it turns into a giant spider and it's like all i was like all of a sudden it's just like this monster it's like what the heck is going on? It's just it's just madness. It's just Japanese total madness. willow. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Do you have that? Because I would like to see it. No, I don't have that. <sighs> oh man. I wonder if that's even available. It is it's called The Magic Serpent, right? It's I'm the not, Magic yeah, Serpent. Okay, I, I, I know the movie you have, you're talking yeah. about. I have the soundtrack for it, but I don't I've never seen the movie. Oh no, this the 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 the, the movie is it's a strange one. But it's you know, but I mean they're all strange. They're all they're all kind of like random, and I mean, and that's one of the things that I really appreciate about Eastern cinema, that Western cinema has never been able to do, and that is like, you know, at the end of the movie, it's like the 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 good guy is losing. So what does the girl do? She throws her hairpin in the air, and it turns into a giant spider, and nobody goes, what? You know, it's like everybody's like, yeah, the giant spider's here. Now we will defeat the bad guys. It's like. Yeah. But with it was no a moment, of, yeah, with no exposition at all. I love the acceptance of mysticism that is so that so that just permeates Eastern cinema. I think it's I think it's liberating, and you know I love uh, you know I'm mean, besides the giant the the the, um, the the Daikaiju movies and everything. I mean even just the the samurai. The, the, the mystical samurai movies. There's one. I've been looking for it. I saw it about 10 years ago. I don't remember the title. I've been looking for it for, for a decade just so that I could watch it again. And there's just this these guys fighting and they're out in the desert and they're all like magic samurais. And there's this one scene where like they, they throw a bunch of blades at this guy and he just runs up them like a, instead of being stabbed, he runs up them like they're a flight of stairs and he's like flying through the air, running up sword blades that are being thrown at him. And I'm like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. This is just, you know, beautiful and fantastic. And you know, uh, that there's just that, that freedom of Eastern cinema that, I mean, it's, that's, that's true of, that's true of all of these movies that, you know, that we watch the, you know, the whole giant monster, the, just the acceptance of, their presence right you know that there doesn't have to be and that was like part of the problem with the american that that horrible uh devlin emmerich godzilla movie it's like well he's like oh he's a french iguana who got you know mutated it's like no he's not he's this thing that came up in the ocean and you dealt with it go you yeah. know i mean that's all that's all you need and and anyway so i'm, I'm rambling now well well put i should say well put <laughs> absolutely no no i i agree with that too i was just about to say it's like once again kind of to draw gender lines here but uh the other thing is like i remember as a child that struck me about these movies like 
how gruesome his vengeance was on the bad guys. It's like there's a point in the movie where it's like he picks up a giant boulder and squishes one of the bad guys, the the second in command. And it's like awesome. I mean, that's with other kaiju movies. So often the case is the destruction. The monsters are so gigantic. The destruction is so impersonal and you rarely, you may kind of see something like a, a wall fall down on a crowd of people. The only one I can think of an example of somebody actually dying directly from a monster attack in one of the like Godzilla movies. The sea monster, but once again, it's an it's just a peasant that's kind of that's eaten. No, the the gangsters in uh, Gidra Three Headed Monsters are killed when Gidra actually shoots his gravity beams and crushes their car. Uh, but this one particularly, it's like uh, you know, in the first movie, he stabs the evil warlord with the spike that's driven into his head, and and this one, you know, he crushes the uh, the second in command and sends magic fire across a lake to kill the evil warlord in this one yeah exactly yeah there's a splinter stone splinter driven through somebody's chest covered in temper paint but um but like there's there it it really kind of feels like the acts of vengeance delivered upon the evil characters in these films are are certainly more graphically displayed and uh, and that's a, just appealing to my machismo factor of like I want to see violence, but but uh, but I think it's like you know it's so easy for the bad guys to fall in a hole. It's the Superman two syndrome, <laughs> like they're just like oh okay the bad guys just disappear somehow. It's like they indirectly kind of get shuffled away. Like it's like no he's he's a god of vengeance clearly and he's protecting his people and and that's kind of a, such a strong theme in these movies that they don't shy away from it when it comes right down to it at the end of it, the films yeah so. and this this film all three of the films are actually really violent i mean it, way more than any any kaiju film with the exception of some of the gamera stuff it's like for, well, for I'm, being i mean so talking like, about human on yeah. human oh, yeah, violence yeah. too i mean yeah. these oh, these certainly. are much more yeah. like Getting samurai films and, yeah. with a giant monster thrown in there, yeah. which is kind of what I I really I mean yeah exactly thumbs up man. So let's we talked about things we liked about the movie. We talked about you know the creature design. Uh, what what do you think an audience today would would have problems with as far as this film goes? Yeah, same. Just said pace pacing is probably something that if you're not used to this type of film and older films because most of the current films it's like. You sit down, the film takes off, and it's like a roller coaster. It just doesn't stop. Well, this one, really short film too. yeah. Am I wrong? Is it? No, I think it's. I think it's a ninety-minute. It's film. a ninety-minute. Yeah. I think. I think. Not really it's, sure though. Yeah, ni- ninety it's, minutes. No, it's ninety. Yeah. According to the DVD case here, oh no. Yeah. Some people may have an issue with the monster not showing up quickly enough, which I never have. Yeah, you know that happens in Godzilla you know, movies too. You know. Every that once in a while. and. If you're very used to current special effects standards. Yeah, I guess I could see that. I, I really, I like how these movies don't have uh, this trilogy specifically. Yeah. You, they don't really rely on special effects that much. I mean, sure, there are some, um, yeah. exactly, force perspective or some uh, like blue screen, blue screen stuff. Work, yeah. Heather, you were talking about something about when you're watching a cartoon and you're like, oh, I know which branch is going to crack because it's colored differently than than the rest of the stuff and Maijin was approaching that wall. Yeah, the wall had just sort of a certain look to it that said to me that it was made to crumble. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was a it was it was a it was a set made for made for breaking, but I mean no 
no complaints there. Oh, no, I mean, no. that's yeah, that's that's certainly not not a problem. It's uh, and I'm not really sure on on Shane's last comments that the uh, that the 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 gender differential there with the with the violence because I'm not you know I'm not saying that I wanted to see less of the monster i thought that we had i thought we had just enough of our god i think that if if it had been more it would have you know started to get a little awkward with you know kind of standing around toe in the sand going like so uh i killed all the guys uh what do you what do you do for fun around here it's um <laughs> well actually in the in the first film my gene attacks uh based you know because he's like i said earlier when we were talking uh, you know outside of the house like it's sort of like the princess sort of a- appeals to him and uh she actually offers to trade her life so that my gene can you know kill the bad guys and so at the end of his sort of rampage there is a point in the film where you you almost think to yourself is he going to keep going? And now that he's killed all the bad guys, is he going to actually just completely destroy the village? Or is he going to say, uh, you know, I've had a good day. Time to go back up to the mountain. And, uh, and I think uh, they actually have to, they have to beg him to stop in, in the first film, which you don't get in this film. He does just kind of cooperatively say, it's been real, guys. Kind of nod the <laughs> nod of the head. So were the villagers or what you know, what have you in the first film, are they are they as are they as dedicated to him as they are in this? Because there was certainly you know, I mean, there there was never a moment where any of his followers seemed to be questioning their God. I mean, throughout no, the entire movie they were they were very set on the fact that their God was going to rain vengeance down on on the bad guys they they never seem to doubt that fact yeah yeah no the the first film definitely has has that as well so he maybe was just really liking the the human smashing i, I think and, he he liked his summer home in the lake right yeah just wanted to go back home the summer the summer cottage exactly That's, well earlier kyle had asked me how you know how does he get out to the lake that's what i want to know because he was on a mountain and now in this movie he's he's in he's in a lake and i said well you know, summer retreat. That's you know, little little lakefront property there. That's uh, where does a fifty thousand pound god made of stone go? <laughs> Anywhere he wants. Yeah. So, so, saying if we yeah. were if we were to get a remake of this film these days, I mm-hmm. mean, what what could what could stay? What could go from from one of these films? Oh gosh, um, I'd certainly keep yeah the 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 look of them i mean that's that's half of their appeal is the fact they're a completely different setting they're you know and the fact that machine's not 400 feet tall i mean he's you know 40 40 50 feet tall it's like that lends itself to a good deal more realism you know it's like one of the i remember uh, back in the early 90s when the gamera new you know trilogy at the time had come out people were talking about how much better the special effects were because gamera's not you know he's half the size of godzilla so that meant half that much better detail in the miniatures and the same thing with this it's like you know these you know look great because he's not so gargantuan that you know things start to look like balsa wood and plaster of paris unfortunately but um yeah i I don't know that i would change anything you know what could go you'd have to punch it up a little i mean you'd have to keep a little more conflict a little you know modern filmmaking in that regard of like yeah, you know, I'm sure there'd have to be a few subplots about you know somebody's adulterous cousin and um, 
chick fight ninjas. and yeah exactly ninjas and and uh and pizza cats and things like that i'm sure uh, <laughs> you no, know they had to sell let's toys keep the pizza still, cats out they, they still have to sell toys i mean come on um uh yeah i mean maybe you just, could have the rocket rocket spring hand that, well you just give them the, <laughs> give daimajin the Mega Man treatment and i think that's fine i think just give him a cannon arm and i think it's okay um I'd no like actually see, i wouldn't I'd like change. To see Majin with like uh the the powers that he exerted in this film while he you know he parted the waves and he mm-hmm. created you know lightning that came down yeah i would like to see that would be cool to see a little bit more of like certainly, his, his yeah. influence you know i like certainly other than probably using you know modern costume construction uh, you know there's certainly no reason to change his design you know you can probably make it look a little less mattress foamy but i mean really it's like the movies are pretty excellent and they i think they hold up really well and and once again it's like when you said uh 66 i was like god really was that 66 because yeah. look at like one of the other movies that were making 66 you know it's like oh yeah sea and monster here in the state yeah even here in the states yeah i mean there were some cruddy movies coming out i mean it's like certainly nobody was trying i mean maybe maybe corman because he was making the good you know edgar Allan poe stuff but there's still some crap being produced around. I mean, it was like 66 is like, you know, just a couple of years after Reptilicus. I mean, look at that thing. That's all popsicle sticks and, and <laughs> felt a felt monster. I mean, so, yeah. So look at, I mean, these are excellent films. It's like, I, I just, and they don't degrade. It's not like one's fantastic and the next one's only okay and the third one's like, well, everything. Yeah, you can practically see the Elmer's glue drying on things. It's like, no, they're all perfect. It's like the fact they made them all back to back pretty much and released them all around the same time and they're all interesting in their own ways and I'll, you know there's a common th- plot thread there of the vengeance and the but really what what is there to change i think it, modern audiences are people don't give them enough credit they'd enjoy it if you know it doesn't have to be this michael bay ridiculous you know at one point in the movie we made fun of this like they're gonna blow up Daimajin with with dynamite. I, I hope somebody jumps away from a fireball that defies <laughs> physics and rolls out for some reason. It's like, oh wait, no, that's just because that's every movie I've seen for the last twenty years that came out of Hollywood. No, it's like God. Bruce Willis did it. Yeah, no, these these movies are good. I, I mean, I would just like to see them just make a fourth film. Just don't just. I just want to see my yeah. Gene walking away slowly from the explosion and exactly. not look back. <laughs> I think that I think that uh, a lot of good points got made. The uh, I think just sort of like in my head, as the the art director part of me is just sort of uh, production designer. Sort of, uh, I'm imagining how you, like you know that the, here's Magine with these with these elemental powers. I mean, like you know he's he's parting the lake and he's and he's causing the mountains to crumble and he's sending fire to uh, uh, again with the smoting. And, and the lightning, you know, and everything like that. And just, you know, like, uh, uh, just the, just with CGI, the, you know, the way that it is. I mean, like a lot of, one of the things that I think that CGI is really, really, really good at, very convincing at, is environmental stuff and, mm-hmm. and, and optical. You know, more so than, um, you know, I mean, keep the character, keep the character in a suit. You know, keep, you know, keep, keep a physical presence to to machine himself but everything around him i mean like just i'm just thinking about like uh 
uh, I mean, just I just saw Thor a couple of weeks ago, right? And then you know, and like the there's that one scene that's in the trailer where he like he, he hits the ground with his hammer, and there's just this giant shock wave that just you know smashes the uh, mountains and everything. It's like and, you know, how much more so could you do that with you know this fifty foot you know stone god coming down and just like slamming his foot against the ground or something and just and just you're just knocking down you know the all the the bad samurais you know and everything and i think that if you had these like these these upgrades for lack of a better term for a modern audience a fourth film would be amazing it would be amazing and it's you know the 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 problem though is that like i even had the pacing problem with as recent as it was with Final Wars, um, Final I, I thought Final Wars was boring. I you know the I, I sat there and I watched it and I just pressed the fast forward button until monsters started fighting again <laughs> because you know all this Matrix crap with the Exians and everything was just it was just making me insane. I was just like, oh my god, it's so irrelevant and not the point. And you're not a, you know Godzilla's name is in the title. Why isn't he on the screen right now? And it was just like, and I was watching it like an eleven year old boy would. But I mean, it's like I watched all of these movies like an eleven year old boy would. I mean, just that that sort of that that sense of of wonder and fascination fascination it's like honestly if i want to see drama i'm gonna pop in kurosawa you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna pop in honda or or, or I, I know he didn't do these but i mean like whoever uh you know directed these here i think these are wonderful and fantastic and i just i just want to bathe in that fantasy for as much of this 90 minutes as we get to you know and uh uh so yeah pacing cindy cindy was like just uh, nailed it just you know pacing 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 yeah. All right. So we're all agreed. We're going to start petitioning Kedakawa to make another Maijin film. Yay! I think that if I like to to continue the the idea of doing a a, a fourth film, um, my concern would be that the audiences in Japan of today and the people in charge of making movies in Japan today wouldn't uh, be as interested in adhering to the original as much as they should i think they would probably try and modernize it too much if if not time era like i know time era is that even a word the time period uh which obviously i would not want them to modernize the story in in terms of when the story takes place i just think that they would they would probably try and add too much uh too much like greedy land developer pull the pull the poltergeist thing yeah, yeah there you go. but there you go. no the problem is is unfortunately you know what that what your comment just smacked of to me was highlander highlander's great because it's you know half of it takes place in the past and you, then you have the modern story because it's supposed to be mortal and what did they do in the second movie it's a hundred years in the future or something like that and <laughs> i like and that's what i would worry about would be yeah, modern Japanese producers are like, it'd be good if we could just have this ancient piece of Japanese, you know, mythology suddenly show up in the super oh. matrix world of oh. 2038 or something like that. No, that, would totally, that, would, that, would, that would totally work. You got to put 
you, you pull it you totally pull a Jason 10 on it yeah oh, Jason you totally pull a Jason X on, on it it's like it's like in the future and you know the aliens are attacking and there's like this one old guy whose great 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 grandfather passed down the you know and it's like a little he's just got like this little teeny idol that he prays to so hard it turns into a giant monster that defeats all the aliens that'd be awesome it's just lightning from its fingers and oh. lasers from its eyes. Back to lasers. Like, Back to lasers. It would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Soak it in water. It Heather would be said. awesome. I'd rather have the growing effect of Jet Jaguars. But he would need his own theme song. He would need a theme song. Die, Maji. So you're going to write that for for the Fright Town this year? I say I say we just write the fourth movie. I I think we've I think we've got it pretty I much. Just did. I think we pretty much have it hashed out here. No, Dave, that's the fifth movie. Oh. <laughs> right. We got to create a good one first. Oh. Whatever. <laughs> oh. I enjoyed Jason X for what it was. I love Jason X. I don't know why. Uh. So final thoughts on the film? Are we gonna? I mean, this is. I often ask, is this a movie you'd show to other people? I mean, I don't, I don't really feel like this is one that you need to have seen the first film to enjoy. No, uh, coming into it, no, you know, realizing that it was a second movie. I, I had a little concern and you told me that I didn't really need to know much of anything from the first. And I thought it was a, I thought it was a great standalone piece. I thought it really uh, held its own. I would definitely, I would definitely show it to people and I would absolutely love to see the first and third and fourth and, and, and of course fifth when, when, you know, there can be only one. So ju- you have to tell Justin now, like that he really missed out Absolutely. because he'll never, I'll never show this again for him. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, I would also, uh, I, I, I'm kind of torn. I would also show it to other people, but honestly, I'm not sure. I think I can only think of one guy I know besides the people who are in this room who I would show it to. I think it's like it's a uh, it's a select bunch. Uh but uh uh, uh but you know definitely we're seeing. Definitely we're seeing. If you like your, you know, if you're like uh uh it's like War of the Gargantuas. You know, I, th- I think like if uh, I think I think it's sort of a uh, more of a rarefied taste uh than your uh, Gamma or your Godzilla, but um uh, definitely some quality there. I was just with you saying that there's the select few that you would show it to. It just oh. gives me flashbacks of trying to expose uh friends to cer- you know certain older movies that I that I've enjoyed and uh, and if the response isn't correct within, you know, maybe the first 10 minutes of it, I'll I'll will ju- just I'll just shut it off because it's just like, no, you know what? You're not you don't you don't get it. You're this isn't this isn't the kind of movie that you can. You right, clearly don't deserve to watch Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah. So that's that's my that's my agreeance with you there that uh, you know it, it's got to be the the correct audience for it. But I would definitely show it to to other people, the right people. You know, uh, that's a bit of a trick question on this one for me because you know what I w- I would show this to other people hands to, you know absolutely I would show it to them and what I would show them it being an example of is when I say, I love giant monster movies. And they're like, they're suck. And I'm like, you know, they're not all the same. They're not cardboard buildings being knocked down by big lizards. 
look at this one. And it's like, and I would probably just show them excerpts, but I would say like, look, there's something else going on here. The fact the it's not this by fifties or sixties standards, a contemporary setting or the amazing year, 1999, you know, um, where we've set up moon bases and, and, uh, and things like that but the future <laughs> exactly the amazing year 1999 um no i'd absolutely i'd love to show people like look at this especially like i said the third one um takes place you know kind of in a wintry setting and uh it's like look there was real cinematography there's a beautiful scene in this movie where they're burying the father of village leader like the daimyo yeah yeah exactly and it's a gorgeous sunset and silhouette with this beautiful japanese woman burying a beach ball um, cause the grave is like four feet, a hillock, <laughs> but it's a gorgeous scene. It's like, look at the, their real beauty in this movie. They weren't just making a, a cheap monster movie here. Right. Um, and, and whether or not I elicited the right response from the audience I was trying to show it to, I would still not hesitate to try and show it to somebody as an example of that, but like, they're not all crap. They're not all these cheesy ham fisted, terrible movies. It's like even though that's exactly what appeals to me, you know, about these movies. I love that, but I understand how people don't get it. You know, it's like comic books. It's like jazz. It's like so many other things. It's like cheese on apple pie. It's one of those things like these are acquired taste. You know, they are not for everybody. It's like, you know, so, but yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't hesitate to show this to the right people. Wink. So I think we've, we're all in agreement. The right people are, you know, our target audience for, you know, somebody you think they would enjoy this film, like, or, or any of the films we talk about here. That's, that's who we're talking about. It's like, I'm not going to try and show this to my six, well, actually I might try and show it to my six year old cousin, but, uh, you know, somebody who's already jaded enough to not, not care about older films. Yes, definitely. Um, I would, I would, I would show this to some of my friends though. It would be a select group of friends. Uh, I actually tried to show some of my friends Buckaroo Banzai once, and <laughs> some of them, no, this was funny. Half of them were like mesmerized by the damn film, and the other half got this kind of glassy eyed look, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Half of you get it, and half of you don't. Yeah. Now, every, every audience member that's ever liked Buckaroo Banzai, just saying, every audience member that's ever liked Buckaroo Banzai saw it in 1987 when it came out. I mean, that's, that's, you can't turn people onto that movie. Sometimes, you know, if somebody's going to discover that or like it, it's like they are going to find it of their own accord because they were already looking for cult movies. So, yeah. Sometimes you can't, I've tried to turn people onto that movie and they, it can't be done. I hate to say it. So, anybody have any other thoughts they want to share on Return of Damaijin? Because, laser eyes. Laser eyes. Laser eyes. We did get some uh, some user submissions, just a few, and I think we're going to hear those right about now. Steve wrote in to say that this movie is awesome. It covers all three bases of his interests in foreign movies, giant monsters, folklore and mythology, and samurai chokasaki action. The score was very reminiscent of the Godzilla score, and actually, Steve, you should know, it was done by Akira Ifukube. Uh, also, he says that bearing in mind that this film was out at the same sort of time as Ibira and Hedra, this film is played incredibly seriously and has a great sense of atmosphere and emotion at key points. Although the first hour of the movie is mainly a samurai tale, which is great if, like him, you like samurai movies, 
Uh, it can drag a bit. The final 20 minutes is a very rewarding, long, and ominous finale as Maijin approaches and stomps the bad guys. There is quite a lot of Christian iconography in this film. From the crucifixions to the parting of the sea, this Maijin guy is an evangelical's dream. The rapture may not have happened, but if only they ever find a bell and a statue, then we'd really have something to worry about. It's also great the way that the main bad guy ends up being on the nasty end of the crucifixion he had in mind for Lady Sayuri. Nice touch. Mark wrote that of all three films in the series, this one stands out from the others in visual artistry. Daimajin's entrance is awe-inspiring, splitting a walkway through the ocean with just a glance, and slowly marching towards Lord Danjo's stronghold with thunderous, echoing footfalls as the parted ocean closes up behind him. This is definitely one of the greatest entries in kaiju film history. Lord Danjo's death is also superbly rendered as a striking example of poetic justice, as the fate he had planned for Lady Saruri is his own, engulfed in flames, tied to a wooden cross. Akira Afukabe's somber score serves as a powerful dirge and punctuates the drama effectively. This is the first time Robert saw Return of Daimajin. He thought the period costumes and set pieces were a nice departure from the future or present-day settings of most Daikaiju films. What Robert found interesting about Return of Daimajin was the large spiritual element in this film. The devotion of the villagers is evident in the way they risk their lives and their attempt to stop the evil warriors from blasting the idol. The way the stone idol comes to life at the end of the movie after hearing the prayers of the villagers, specifically the women, and just decimates everything is certainly worth the wait. What an entertaining film. For modern people, both in Japan and America, the notion of a stone god answering prayer takes a lot of suspension of disbelief. Robert would like to believe there are giant and fantastic supernatural creatures that defy belief yet in the world. Uh, And that's it. We had three people this month. Ooh. It's not too bad for a movie that's kind of hard to find on DVD. But uh, I expect uh, there to be more next month for a specific reason. But I want to thank everyone who did write in and those who actually sat here and watched the movie with me as well. Uh, If anybody's interested in doing a little more research on the Daimajin trilogy, the best thing I found, it was actually on SciFiJapan.com and it was written by Ed Gojachowski. It's called Dae's Idol of Terror, Daimajin the avenging god and i'll have a link in the show notes to that now next month our movie is godzilla 2000 so we should have lots of people submitting their reviews we were going to take a break and um we were we were going to do that but this is going to be a long show i know some people don't don't mind a long show but uh instead of uh, taking a break kyle with the minds song, a long show i, I do mind <laughs> a long show uh but instead of doing that we're just going to go straight into the news United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters issue number four comes out on Wednesday. Uh, That is the 29th of June. Story-wise, it's pretty heavy on the social commentary, uh, but that is also juxtaposed with the first monster versus monster fight we get to see in the series. Issue 4 also marks the last pages of Phil Hester and Bruce McCorkendale. Issue 5, on sale at the end of July, brings Victor Santos into the book. Woohoo! I figured I, I owed him something since I wawed Phil Hester's end. <laughs> there. It's, it's good. Victor Santos's style is interesting. And now to Heather yes. with the Koichi Kawakita story. <laughs> good. I like that. Uh, Koichi Kawakita 
and the God of Clay, Steve Rifle, interviewed Kawakita. It's uh, it's a really good read. I really enjoyed the uh, the entire. It makes me really want to see the God of Clay, even though it's a uh, short movie. But uh, it has photos from production and scans of the book and the uh, God of Clay and Godzilla versus the Sea Monsters screening uh, June 23rd, 9. 30 p.m. at the Bigfoot Crest Theater in Los Angeles, which is actually its worldwide premiere. So it was the first time it ever it first ever time. shown anywhere. Yes, yes, very very exciting. Uh, permission and, from the author too. And Steve talks about that in the interview. Right? Yes, but a very good interview. I would recommend checking it out. That is on Sci-Fi Japan, and we'll have the link in the show notes to that for sure. I have a little quick blurb here <laughs> after Heather had made Heather read that long thing. Sci-Fi Japan's uh, Facebook page was updated by Keith Aiken saying that Media Blasters had officially announced the date for Godzilla vs. Megalon's DVD and Blu-ray release. For all you people out there that love the 70s schlock, uh, that will be November 29th. And I'm sure I will be getting that. I'm positive. And I, I do love me some 70s schlock is that what you said i think i did i don't know why i said that i don't know i don't really know what that means 70s monster movies oh (laughs) is that what schlock is no (laughs) no no doesn't matter well i love me some of that 70s cheese as i've mentioned before so bloodydisgusting.com has posted an interview with dean devlin taking all the blame for gino andrew campbell listener posted this on the kaiju cast facebook page and there will be links to that in the Show notes. Yeah. Uh, Also, I wanted to um, share something. A listener named Tito let me know about a podcast put on by some people who are involved with the amazing Toho Kingdom website. And uh, they have a pretty in-depth episode up right now about Godzilla and comic books. And I highly recommend you checking it out. It's the Toho Kingdom podcast. You can get to it from their website, but I'll have a link directly to their podcast section in the show notes, of course. And we are moving on to local events. Every other Tuesday, we go to Geek Trivia. Heather is on the team, voicemail of Cthulhu. And uh, we are consistently a well-scoring but not winning team, and it's a lot of fun anyway. (laughs) If there was fourth, fifth, or sixth place, we would be rocking it all the time. Most definitely. Most definitely, but there's not. Uh, anyway, that's that's happening this Tuesday, and then of course not the following, but the one after that as well. What with the, the every school. other? With exactly with the every other. Yeah. Uh, that's happening at the Kennedy School and put on by Things from Another World, uh, who are members of the PGC three, just like uh, the Kaiju Cast is. Okay, so on July twelfth, the Dangerous Kids podcast is hosting a geek dating event called Roll for Romance, which is essentially a speed dating event but directed specifically at geeks. Yeah, it's not just another speed dating event. They're going to have some twists that include D20s, uh, some geek trivia. And and I believe on their website they say that they are no experts in love, but they are just trying to get people together for a good time, and that is apparently what this is going to be, is a good time for geeks all around. Nice, and so that's July 12th at the Jupiter Hotel at 5 p.m., on July 13th, the very next day, Things from Another World is hosting a Ghost Rider number one release party with local artist Matthew Clark. That'll be at their Hollywood location where they have, I think, all of their release parties. I just went to one that was very cool for boilerplate, free food, free beer if you have ID. Proving you're 21, of course. They're always super fun. Oh, yeah. 
Definitely. We just went to the one for boilerplate and it was amazing. I didn't. I'm not going to judge you on that. I had to work. Okay, so we cannot really talk too much about this because we're really kind of running low on time, but Heather was on the team for Geek Olympathon, and we had an absolute blast. Yes. It was super fun. Which, if you haven't listened or missed the episode where we've, we've talked about this before, but you should definitely check out the PGC3 website and look. I'm sure they have lots of highlights on it uh, referring well, they, to the Geek Olympathon. Yeah, they, I don't know if they have highlights, but they definitely have um, like a breakdown of all the events that happened, and it was so much fun. I actually was a little skeptical. I was a bit hesitant. I wanted to support it, but didn't really think that it was going to be as much fun. I didn't think there was going to be as much for me as there really was. Yeah, we had a blast. Heather was our uh, our poster girl whenever we took our pictures for Twitter for the Finding the Pirates. It was yeah. it was awesome. That may have had something to do with just how really obsessed I got with finding the pirates because i got a little obsessed with finding the pirates yeah. so someday i'm sure we'll we'll talk more about it but uh we should but for for now we're gonna have to just move on to a recap of another event that i went to uh i went to the cognition signing which was aaron and matt uh of these two guys from the pgc3 who have their comic called cognition the robot uprise that just came out they had a signing like release party thing at bridge city comics who are awesome. Go, Mike. And, um, and then after that, they actually had a live show, which was really, really pretty cool. They had... I'm sorry, Heather. I don't mean to be bringing up all these things that you didn't get to go to. It's but okay. um, it was really awesome. There were two bands opening up uh, for... Actually, there were three acts opening up for the slants. We didn't get to stay for the slants. But one of the acts opening up was actually Aaron, who wrote the comic. He had basically written music for the entire thing. He performed this music on stage, and it was all electronic. And he had on a hoodie and a, like a Cylon eye and like a little <laughs> um, microphone hooked up to a synthesizer so that his voice sounded like a robot. And it was really cool. He had freaking lasers. He's kind of my hero. He was awesome, and uh, I I really hope he does the show again because I would go. I uh, I was I was very disappointed to miss that. Aaron and Matt are both super nice guys, uh, really really good buddies that we've made from the Geek Trivia on the PGC three. Uh, the comic is really well made. Really enjoyed the first one. Looking forward to the next. And uh, sadly had to work that night, but heard really good things about the about the release, and uh, really just wish them the best of luck with it they're uh they're super cool super cool nerds yeah so i'll have a link in the show notes to the cognition website where you can check out uh check out the comic and and hopefully buy one because it's it's very well done uh that it does it for our local events and yes. we're we're already short on time as Ooh. it is so we're going to go ahead and close out the show if you found the kaiju cast through itunes or some other podcast directory and you want to experience all there is to experience about the kaiju cast just uh point your web browsers to kaijucast.com you can see the show notes that we're talking about you can vote in the polls which i need to do a new one and you can uh see pretty much every single episode that i've done and every single uh blog entry that we've we've had on the show Ooh, and follow us on twitter yeah there are links to twitter and links to facebook oh there's also the schedule for the daikaiju discussions up there which and... of course will uh next month we will alert you to when it's happening if 
so choose can follow along with the kaiju live tweets. Oh, that's right. We did kaiju live tweets for the return of Daimajin. Um, we will also be doing this on the last week of July for Godzilla 2000. So make sure you turn in your homework before that last week and you'll get uh, included. Hopefully there will be a lot, but hopefully I won't have to trim them down too much because uh, I do like reading them on the show. So if you want to submit those thoughts, questions, and reviews for the Daikaiju discussion, or if you just want to send me an email and tell me uh, that you like the show or hate the show or have suggestions for future episodes or uh, just want to talk Heather. about Godzilla or, or talk about how awesome Heather is, we will accept all of those communications. Just send an email to controller at kaijucast.com and uh, I look forward to hearing from you. We're going to close out the show with... Uh, basically one last song uh this is from godzilla final wars it's called beginning of the end from nobuhiko marino jamata Zilla.